the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Hello, folks. I invite you to join with me and leaders from across the nation on June 10th and 11th for our National Unity Weekend. Saturday will be our community day to provide food and resources to food insecure communities across the country. Then on Sunday, pastors will preach a healing message from Galatians 3 and 28. So go to our website, sign a statement of change, and show you're committed to seeing the church at the forefront of racial healing. Then have your church sign up to help spread the message of unity. And lastly, pray with us as we look to heaven and prepare for a transformative weekend. God bless. Tomorrow can be bigger. Just grow, let the word overflow. Live a life bigger than yourself. You're created for greatness. Live a life bigger than yourself. Hello. This is the Live Big Broadcast. Today we will hear a classic message from Bishop Greer. We believe this word will bless you, so let's get into this classic teaching. If you were reading the book of Matthew, you know, chapter by chapter by chapter, by chapter 15 you you notice that the hostility between Jesus and the Pharisees was starting to climax. And um, how many of you know it's exhausting to be around people who always have a problem for every solution. How many of y'all know a few people? Yeah, like that. It's just a little bit difficult to live a positive life in a toxic environment. And uh, sometimes you just need to get away for a little bit. And uh, this was the case with Jesus. It says in verse 21, Then Jesus went out from there and departed to the region of Tyre, and Sidon. Well, Jesus understood that the uh, disciples need a change of scenery, that they're all getting just a little bit drained. So he wanted to leave some of the church folk behind, and he went into Gentile territory. Or in other words, he went to the beach. But here's the deal. New people, new problems. And wherever you find people, you find what? Problems. The grass is always greener on the other side, but when you get there, you find the same problems you found on the other side. But still, Jesus needs a change of scenery, and that's really important, particularly when, when stuff starts, you know, crowding in on your mind and everybody's on your case all the time. You just need sometimes to, to, to just look at a new environment, and that's what Jesus did, and it was very helpful to the disciples. In verse 23, and behold, while he was there, a Canaanite woman from that region Now, that verse says two things about this individual. First, she was a woman. Secondly, she was a Gentile. So she's introduced to this this narrative with already two strikes against her. But instead of using those facts to make an excuse, in spite of that, she made it happen. And she would not take no from an answer when it came from 
Jesus. And scripture says, and she cried out to him. The Greek literally says that she called uh, like a uh, an angry bird, like a crow, you know, crow. Quack, quack, quack. She, she, she called after everybody have anyone calling after you. Yeah. What it means is this woman was having a fit. This woman, uh, her shoes were off. Her makeup was running. Her wig was sideways. And she was hollering top of her lungs. And this is what she was saying. And everything she was saying was good. But Jesus still took exception. She said, have mercy on me. Now, we didn't get this far into the text today, but actually she's seeking help for her daughter. But she says, have mercy on me or on herself. You see, there's something about a mother. She's different than a father. You know, fathers are good guys and everything. But a mother's identity is somehow gets wrapped up into her children. And, you know, I remember, oh, I shouldn't even mention his name. You know, now it's just people get in trouble, then they're not in trouble, then they're great, then they're not great. But uh, forgive me for using this example if it offends you. But uh, uh, Bill Cosby talked about when his son passed away. And uh, he talked about his mourning process. And I'm not condoning Bill Cosby, okay? Uh, but what he said was, you know, yeah, yeah, I'm going through something, but no one can hurt like a mother. I mean, a mother carries you in the womb for nine months, and then she continues to carry you for the rest of your life. And that's just a truism, no matter who said it. This woman, who's a Gentile, comes to Jesus and she calls on him. And she says what many Jews had said up to this time and caused Jesus to respond. But we're going to discover in a moment, Jesus has a very, very unique response to her. He says, have mercy, she said, on me. Now, what we're about to discover here is a key to prayer. You will very seldom in life have success praying for people you do not identify with. That's important. If you can't feel their pain, typically God won't answer your prayer. So you can pray your formulaic prayers, but until you identify with the person and their need, typically that prayer won't get much higher than your, no, stay with me. Matthew 14 and 14. We're going to learn some things before we press through. And when Jesus went out, he saw a great what? Multitude. Now pay attention to what happens. And he was moved with compassion. Now the disciples are watching, but how did they know he was moved by, with compassion? Can you see what's going on in someone's heart? But evidently there was something happening while Jesus was ministering that marked that time and distinguished it from other times. Other times he cast out demons as one who had authority. But this time this, this miracle is marked by his what? Compassion. Now the term compassion literally means stomach. And what the scripture was saying is he was moved deeply in his gut with the needs of the people. And if we choose to take the Greek literal, it's likely that Jesus actually held his stomach as he prayed for the sick. He was so connected and so, you know, he's not a God that sits far off. He's a God that comes near. He was so connected that he was, might have been very much grabbing his belly 
as he prayed for the people. And in that condition and with that motivation, it says, and he healed their sick. Jesus' healing ministry here came out of his willingness to connect with other people. So you will not really have success ministering and praying and, and trying to help other people till you learn how to connect with their needs and with where they are. Let's look at one more verse. Hebrews 4 and 15 makes it even plainer. He says, for we do not have, meaning some other folk may have, in the past you may have had, but as for me in my house, as for us in this room, for we do not have such a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses. According to scripture, Jesus is a high priest that, that relates to my weaknesses. Instead of condemning me, he feels sorry for my narrow behind when, when I'm confused and mixed up. He feels sorry for me. You see, many priests, you get it wrong, they beat you. No, no, but Jesus feels. And what makes him successful, and unlike any other high priest, is the connection God has to humanity. God became a man, and he felt what that was like. And he hasn't forgotten. This is a high priest. Matthew 15 and 22. Let's get back to the lady. Her doctrine is pure. Everything she says is right. But you're going to be shocked by Jesus' response. Have mercy on me, O Lord, son of David. She's a Gentile. Obviously, you know, uh, word about Jesus has spread even to Gentile territory. And the Jews, you know, the, the son of David, it was a messianic appellation. How many of y'all know I just want to use that word appellation? Yeah. <laughs> It's a messianic title. And she scrounges up all the, you know, Hebraisms and, and all the stuff she, she can scrounge up to address Jesus in the proper way. She says, have mercy on me, all, all respect, all love, biblically correct and sound. And she continues, my daughter is severely demon possessed. What she was saying is, my daughter has lost her natural mind. How many of you can identify with what? Yeah. A mother is often only as happy as her most unhappy child. And this was the case. Say, Lord, help me. The issue's with my daughter, but, but me and my daughter are one. And until you could pray for somebody as if you were them... You hear what I'm saying? You're not yet ready to pray. Stay with me. You may have misheard what I said or maybe missed a few points because the woman did not say my daughter was demon possessed. That's not what she said. She said my daughter is severely demon possessed. Meaning when mother looked into her eyes, she saw another personality looking back at her, meaning she left the house that morning as Francis came back home in the afternoon as Frank. A whole different thing had gotten on the inside of her. And you would think 
that because of the magnitude of the problem, Jesus would have immediately rushed to this woman's aid. Verse 23 is shocking. Here's the guy that so loved the world. Here's the man that was moved with compassion, that he healed the multitudes. But verse 23 is key. But he answered her, not a single word. Jesus just messed up all your religious thinking. Jesus did not move based on her need. He moved based on her faith. He answered her, not a word. She even had the right doctrine. She had the right verbiage. But as far as Jesus was concerned, she didn't have the right spirit. And sometimes all that hollering, all that screaming has absolutely nothing to do with real faith. She put on a show. She was performing. And Jesus just ignored. See, we were trained if we shout loud enough. If we confess it long enough, God will be obligated to hear. But Jesus recognized no such formula here because he answered her, not a muttering word. We hope you are enjoying this classic message from Bishop Greer. Stay tuned for the completion of this teaching in just a moment. Hello, folks. I invite you to join with me and leaders from across the nation on June 10th and 11th for our National Unity Weekend. Saturday will be our community day to provide food and resources to food insecure communities across the country. Then on Sunday, pastors will preach a healing message from Galatians 3 and 28. So go to our website, sign a statement of change, and show you're committed to seeing the church at the forefront of racial healing. Then have your church sign up to help spread the message of unity. And lastly, pray with us as we look to heaven and prepare for a transformative weekend. God bless. Let's get back to this classic message from Bishop. And then his disciples came. Jesus, send her away. She keeps crying out after us. Now, Look, Jesus, we supposed to be here on vacation. She's ruining our vacation. We were trying to get away, Jesus. Do something for this lady so she'll leave us alone. How many of y'all know some mamas like this? Yeah, yeah. I like this mother. Finally, he responds to the voice of the disciples, and he answered her. And the first thing he did was put a pin in all her screaming. What she's about to say was like pouring cold water on her face. So all that religiosity was about to melt and her and Jesus were about to have a very real conversation. So he answered her as the Messiah. He said, the prophets have prophesied for me, about me for, for thousands of years. And they were very explicit about what my assignment was and is. And here's what I found in the book. I was not sent except to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. How many of you know if you came to somebody, now you're already dealing with prejudices and, and cultural distinctions, and you come to them, and they put right up in your face the fact that you're different. 
How do you respond? Here's the deal. Jesus will be as tough as he needs to be in your life. What he was trying to do is get us to snap out of all that hysteria. To snap out of just being the crazy mother in the church. You hear what I'm saying? And Jesus wanted her to talk to him like she had some sense. Stay with me. Now, come on, this this is not a pleasant situation. The Bible shows something important here. Right after he says that, most of us in this room would have walked away. Talking about you don't know who I am, you hurt my feelings, you ain't really love, you don't know love, you would have done all that. Would have walked away offended. But when you're a mother of a child, and then your child is in absolute need of help, you put away your pride. Yeah, you will. Said, I'm sent to the lost sheep of Israel. Most of us walk away. The Bible said, but then she came and worshipped him. This lady must have lost her. My, she is not an American. Mm-mm. You see, this lady was like, Jesus, you, you treat me like my sins deserve, but I need you to help my baby girl. I, I don't care about what I feel right now. I don't even care what I, I don't care about no distinction. Lord, I know you have power, and all I want to do is tap into what I need. And this is some of us just wear our feelings on our sleeves and just the slightest little issue. It's over. But this woman wanted God. He says this, and she pushes further and comes closer. He says she worshiped him, watch this, saying, when Jesus got real with her, she all of a sudden calmed down. Many times, God will not speak to me when I'm all, uh, it's not until I calm down, act like there is a God, that he's seated on the throne, that he saw that situation coming even before it happened. It's not until I possess my own soul and jam up all that hype. And then start talking to God like I have some sense. So all the screaming now is over. The Lord now has engaged her. And all the religiosity has gone out of the window. And, and, and now she's, she's thinking and she's communicating. And she, she simplified the whole thing. Lord, help me. How many of y'all know that's a good prayer? That is a good prayer. But remember, it was her daughter that had the problem. But she... Went to Jesus as if the problem was her own. And when you pray for people, it's not until their problem becomes your own that you can help. I mean, we pray for the wayward and, oh, she on drugs. I don't know. Oh, Lord, help her on drugs. Don't nasty at you. God ain't going to hear you. Oh, he's cheating on her husband. He ain't homosexual. Whatever. No, your heart ain't right. God ain't hearing you. It's not until you identify and you can feel it yourself. That you get moved in your stomach for the issue that person's facing and you own it. You ain't better than nobody. Somebody prayed for your sorry behind. They sure did. They did. While you were off in your sin and in your mess, somebody prayed for you. So you ought to be a get down off your high horse 
and feel somebody else's pain. Maybe they're not as smart as you, not as bright as you, but I'll tell you what. All have sinned and fallen short. And let me tell you something. If you can't identify with a sinner, you need to get out of ministry. Don't you dare wear the Christian t-shirt because you're a mockery to the faith. I got serious before I intended to. Sit down before we, so we can move, move, move forward. She said, Lord, help me. Digs in. And he answered and, and said, and I, I can't prove this from scripture, but I think he either had a smile on his face or a gleam in his eye. He was like, come on, girl, you can do this. You can do this. You see, conventional wisdom said that, you know, he was a Jew. She was a Gentile. You know, you're, you're white or, or he's black or, or Asian or Latina. I don't know. Whatever the issue is that there's supposed to be some major cultural hurdles that you're not supposed to get past. And he was like pulling. Come on, mama. You can get past this. You can. Here is the facts. Here are the facts. This is what culture is saying. And he speaks it. He said, it's not good. How many of you know God is good? It's not good to take the children's bread and throw it to the little dogs. Obviously, Jesus doesn't subscribe to our modern notion of self-esteem at all costs. Jesus just spoke the truth and let it land where it may. You see, his assignment was first to the covenant people, then to the Gentile, first the Jew, then the Greek. He said, that ain't right. Why ain't that right? These are Abraham's children. They had a covenant with God and they bore the brunt of the scriptures. The, the Holy Scriptures were written through them. They were, they were custodians of the Holy Writ, the Holy Word, attacked by nature around them because of their divine identity. And, and why should they not be first? But for some reason, whatever doesn't serve my personal self-esteem, whenever I'm not first and I'm not number one, I'm out of there. I'm th- No, 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 no. Listen, I don't care if I'm number two, number three, no, as long as you get to me, Lord, as long as I'm in the room and I'm in the number, I don't care your order. But she wasn't all offended. Well, you know what? I'm not number one. She didn't back away. He was like, listen, my ministry's first. The prophets have spoken. It's first to the Jews, then the Gentiles. Then he looked at it like what? <laughs> See, y'all got the wrong Jesus posted up on, on, on your walls and in the pictures in your houses. My Jesus was like, what? 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 <laughs> but watch it, watch it, watch it, because we're going to learn something. And she said... How dare you? No. Yes, Lord. In spite of what would be considered insensitivity by today's standards, she still called him Lord. When you don't understand, when you don't get it, when God's ways seem offensive, can you still call him Lord? I remember... You know, really about 15 years ago or so, maybe a little bit more, I was still sick in body. The doctor said, no, look, buddy, you just got to live with that. My marriage was strained. Church was declining. 
you know, late at night, the kids would be in, in bed and my wife would fall asleep. And quietly, I go off into our little closet and I close the door. And I begin to worship. And every time before I worshiped, I remember the words of Job. Though he slay me, yet will I trust him. See, sometimes I don't understand his hand, but I've learned to trust his heart. And even though it looks like he's trying to destroy me and kill me, even though it looks like he's not for me, God, I will trust you. But pay attention to who's doing this. It's not a Jewess. This is a Gentile. And, and this is the contrast, and this is why it's recorded in Scripture. If it, it's amazing sometimes we get so churchy and, and we stop seeing and we stop acting normal. So God had to get someone outside of the covenant, someone who didn't feel entitled, and use her attitude to instruct us. Thank you for joining us today. Tune in again next time as we continue this classic teaching with Bishop Greer. We pray that God's word has equipped you to think big, do big, and live big in a way that your life overflows and blesses those around you. If you want to learn more about becoming a Christian or you feel that you need to rededicate your life to Christ, we want to walk you through the steps to do so. Go to gracechurchva.org salvation to find out more and watch videos from Bishop Greer that will guide you into your life in Christ. Again, that's gracechurchva.org slash salvation. That's our time for today. Until next time, remember, you have what it takes in Christ to live big. Hello, folks. I invite you to join with me and leaders from across the nation on June 10th and 11th for our National Unity Weekend. Saturday will be our community day to provide food and resources to food insecure communities across the country. Then on Sunday, pastors will preach a healing message from Galatians 3 and 28. So go to our website, sign a statement of change, and show you're committed to seeing the church at the forefront of racial healing. Then have your church sign up to help spread the message of unity. And lastly, pray with us as we look to heaven and prepare for a transformative weekend. God bless. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.